This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. The invention of fractions. God created the whole numbers, the firstborn, the seventh seal, ten commandments etched in stone, the twelve tribes of Israel, ten we've already lost, forty days and forty nights, Saul's thousand and David's ten thousand, be of one heart and one mind, the whole numbers, the counting numbers. It took humankind to need less than this, to invent fractions, percentages, decimals, only humankind could need the concepts of splintering and dividing, of, the, of things lost or broken, of settling for the part instead of the whole. Only humankind could find the whole numbers, infinite as they are, to be wanting. Though given a limitless supply, we still had no way to measure what we keep in our many-chambered hearts. That's a poem. I didn't write it. Um, by Jessica Goodfellow, and it opens a book that I read for the first time last year um, called Half the Church by Carolyn Custis James, and I would very much recommend it. Um, But since then, um, after reading this book and from a variety of experiences that I've had, um, I've been thinking a lot about the idea of unity. And I, of course, don't have all the answers to unity. In fact, I might not have a single answer to um, the issue of unity, but... Um, I wanted to share some of the things that I've been sort of thinking about um, in the past kind of year or so about um, unity in the church. Um, And by that I mean the global church, not just um, this church um, here. So is that okay if I share just some of my personal ponderings with you? First I'm going to pray. Jesus, I I thank you um, for this space. I thank you um, that you are here. And um, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fill me afresh um, as I I share some of the things that we've been wrestling with together. And um, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would unite us um, tonight um, under, under the name of Jesus. Amen. So up until a few years um, when Josh, my husband, and I decided to um, leave this church and go to Greenhouse Church, which is a plant of this church in Long Jetty, um, this church was the only church that I had ever been a part of. And the short story of that is one day when I was 13, my friend Jeremy, um, who apparently we don't need on the worship team anymore, um, (laughs) I'll be sure to tell him, invited me to come to this youth and I said yes and then you guys couldn't get rid of me after that. Um, And so my experience of church was not particularly diverse. Um, Until I was about 19, I went on a short-term mission trip to Thailand um, with our youth ministry and this trip was very formative for me. Um, It was the first time I'd ever been overseas. Um, I was going on a trip as well without my mum for the first time. 19 is a very like formative age. I was in my final year of uni. I was figuring out who I am. I'm still doing that um, but that's okay. And the first portion of that trip was spent with um, Zoe Foundation who um, is an organisation who this church partners with um, that works in prevention um, of human trafficking and rescuing and rehabilitating children who have been at risk of human trafficking or um, have fallen victim to it. And um, I could talk forever about my experiences there. Um, 
But you know that phrase, um, Jesus is Lord of all? Um, like we sing it in our songs and it's like in the Bible and people say it all the time. That's one of those things that like around that time of my life, I'd heard it heaps and I was like, yeah, I totally get it. But it turns out I like got it like this much. And because um, I found quite like a lot of comfort and freedom in that phrase. Yeah, Jesus is Lord of my life um, because all of my friends grew up in Christian families and so they had their um, parents and siblings as their fellow Christians and mentors and they could kind of learn and grow from them. And I was kind of just like, I'm just trying to figure this out here on my own pretty much. Um, but Jesus is Lord of my life as much as it is theirs. So like, yes, great. But then <laughs> um, we were at Zoe and one night um, we were at like a prayer and worship night and it was in a room like this and it was dark like it is here. And I was sitting um, on the floor and I was praying and then I feel two tiny little hands on my shoulder. I open my eyes and there's two little girls who I later learnt were three years old um, and they'd been rescued from um, a, child, a child human trafficking situation. They were praying for me in Thai and I, a 19-year-old girl from Australia, was sitting there praying to that same God, but in English. We were praying to the same God in different languages and he heard each of our prayers and he understood us both. And that moment changed how I view God forever. And so this brings me to Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, which is a story you might be familiar with. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't all these who are speaking Galileans then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language Parthians Medes and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus and Asia Phrygia and Pamphylia Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So this Acts 2 Pentecost moment um, is an incredible moment um, in which God brings unity um, to people who, um, where there was once disunity and like confusion. Um, and this tracks back to the story of the Tower of Babel, which we find in Genesis 11. Um, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, you might have a similar kind of experience to me where you're like reading through and then you just go, no, because the Old Testament is basically just like a massive roller coaster of like the amazing triumphs of Israel and the epic just stuff ups of Israel as well. And the Tower of Babel story is essentially just one of the biggest stuff-ups that they've got um, in the Old Testament. Um, and essentially, they start Israel, they start off with like one common language, and then they decide that they want to build a city with a tower in it. Um, 
and they say that they, they want to do that because they want to make a name for themselves. Um, but what they're doing is disobeying God and what they had already kind of like agreed that they were going to do with God. Um, and so God comes down, he's like, uh, no, um, and scatters them and gives them all different languages. So on face value, you could be like, but they worked together to build this tower and build this city. That's unity. Um, but what they had found unity in is their own human strength. They had found um, unity in disobedience, not faith and obedience to God. So at Pentecost, we were gifted with the Holy Spirit um, who came to do many things. But one of the first things that we see him do is unify us. Um, at the beginning of the story of the Tower of Babel, um, they all speak one language. Um, but the amazing thing about Pentecost is that people are hearing in their own languages, different tongues but the same message. So the Holy Spirit brings unity so that all people can hear and understand the good news of Jesus. So how do we live now in that unity that the Holy Spirit has brought? Luckily, Paul talks quite a bit about unity through his letters in the New Testament. So there's a lot that we can learn um, from him in that. Um, on this, Charles Spurgeon, who is a theologian, if you Google any Bible verse and commentary, like you'll just find Spurgeon's commentaries, not hard to find. Um, hence, here it is. Uh, <laughs> he says, We want unity in truth of God through the Spirit of God. This let us seek after. Let us live near to Christ, for this is the best way of promoting unity. Divisions in churches never begin with those full of love to the Saviour. So I love that. Um, I found three definitions for the word unity. They're all pretty much the same. The first one, the state of being united or joined as a whole. Two, whole, W-H-O-L, uh, two, the state of forming a complete and harmonious whole. Or three, um, a thing forming a complex whole. All of these definitions involve multiple parts coming together as one. And so I think 1 Corinthians 12 actually paints a really good picture of this. I'm stealing this from Dorsey, um, who shared some really awesome stuff from this passage on Friday. So I'm piggybacking off of you. So thank you. This is a great tag team. <laughs> I was listening to you speak and I was like, oh, that's what I've been looking for. So thank you very much. <laughs> Lucas, I won't make you read it out this time though. Oh, I got it. Don't worry. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to start from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the, same, by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are works. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit as to form one body, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So in Acts 2, we see different tongues from the same God, from the same Spirit. And here in 1 Corinthians 12, we see different gifts from that same spirit. So here from these two um, stories, we can see that there is actually great unity in diversity and there is great strength in unity in diversity and that actually our diversity allows us to see the vastness of God. I actually see quite a bit of division in my job Uh, because I spend a lot of time in uh, Facebook and Instagram comment sections. Um, And I work for Baptist World Aid, um, which essentially we work with vulnerable communities overseas um, who are trapped in poverty. And um, I, among other things, like run the social media accounts. And no hate to you if you're someone that likes to leave comments on Facebook posts. That's your right as a Facebook user. Um, In fact, keep doing it because there's a thing called the algorithm and the algorithm likes when people comment and then other people comment and other people comment. So um, it means that Facebook would be like, I'm going to show this to more people. So actually, if you're seeing a post that you're like, this is absolute trash and no one else should see it, don't comment on it. But everyone comments on it. Anyway. um, But also, like, just remember, there's a human being like me that has to read your comments and... Think of a very polite, politically correct, gracious, professional response to your jerky comment. (laughs) And I hate it. (laughs) Anyway, one of the common criticisms that I see in our comments is that we should be helping our own country before we help countries overseas. And I get it. Like, homelessness... Floods, fires, the way we treat our First Nations brothers and sisters, uh, the cost of living, there's teacher shortages, I don't know where to get a bag of lettuce these days. There's a lot going on here and and I get it. (laughs) And so I'm so grateful for organisations that work here with marginalised people here um, to meet their needs and we need that. But I also wholeheartedly believe that we need organisations like Baptist Old Aid and others like it. We need it all. 
But here's the thing. Paul is saying that God hasn't asked us to choose. He isn't saying that in order for us to be unified, we all have to think the same and do the same and be passionate about the same thing. Unity does not equal uniformity. So maybe you could allow me to rephrase this 1 Corinthians 12 passage with the Siena Corkill paraphrase, which has not been vetted by any theologians. Uh, <laughs> you can all vet it now. If the artist who is bringing beauty into people's lives should say, because I am not an organisation addressing homelessness, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the parents who are intentionally and prayerfully discipling their children should say, because I'm not preaching the gospel to communities overseas, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason not stop belonging to the body. If the whole body were a very good-looking and charming worship leader, where would the sense of advocating for the marginalised be? If the whole body were a passionate youth leader with tonnes of energy, where would the sense of organising meals for people who need extra help be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The person campaigning for justice for our First Nations people cannot say to the person caring for the environment, I don't need you. The man cannot say to the woman, I don't need you. The young cannot say to the old, I don't need you. God has put the body together. God has placed each part of the body exactly where he wants them to be. And unity does not mean being exclusive or disqualifying parts from the body. See, we learnt at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit brings unity so that all people can hear and understand the good news of Jesus. But disunity only hinders that. It doesn't invite people into the good news. I've played hockey since I was eight years old. And um, eight years old is like the age where you're allowed to actually start playing like actual games of hockey. And um, it's pretty funny to watch. It's essentially like 14 little kids with sticks in their hand on like a third of a field, all chasing a ball around everywhere, like a seagull chasing a chip on a beach. And um, it's pretty interesting to watch. Um, no one has a position. Everyone just wants the ball. And it's great. It's chaos. Um, but I think sometimes we think that unity is like an under nines game of hockey. But it's not. Hockey and all team sports are designed for everyone to play a different position. Otherwise, it does not work. And in this team sport of working towards a better world, of working towards God's kingdom coming here on earth, it's okay for us all to play a different position, for all of us to have a different part. It's how we win. Josh, you can come up and like Kai can give me some like nice spiritual music, like what you did to Lewis. It made him sound way better. Is that cool? I'd really like that. Hi, that's you, mate. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. I want to do, do what you were doing before. Or in whatever chords Josh says to do. <laughs> what chords? 
the chords to the next song. Ooh. <laughs> Wait, what? Which <laughs> So good. <laughs> that were good? <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's awesome. We're all work- working towards making the world better. To seeing God's kingdom come. In the ways God has gifted us, in the spaces God has planted us in, in the areas of passion God has made us passionate about, with the vision and the revelation that God has given us personally. And so sometimes I wonder what would happen, what would the world look like if we spent more time focusing on the areas that God has entrusted us personally with, instead of looking around and seeing that other people aren't doing the same thing as we've been asked by God to do. And hear me, I'm not saying that there is no room for differing views or differing thoughts or challenging or rebuking. I think that's totally different kettle of fish that I'm not even going to get into. Let's not go overboard. And as well, I don't know that some random 24-year-old with no fancy pieces of paper in this area has any answers to disunity in the church that has existed forever. Unfortunately, our human nature creates these divisions. But my encouragement and my challenge is to consider what position am I playing? What position are the people around me faithfully playing? How can we celebrate the diversity and be united in moving in the same direction towards our common goal of serving God of seeing His kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? God, I thank You that um, You want unity. Um, I thank You that You have created um, Your church as a body each with a different part to play, all parts equal, all parts vitally important. So God, would you help us to see which part we play, to sense where you want us to be? And would you help us to be unified, moving towards the world that you see, the world that you want for us? And would your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.